0: Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast and the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show and thank you to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online for supporting this episode of Bulls HQ. We're back at it again today because I wanted to talk about all things free agency. Not that there is uh, a lot to discuss from a Bulls front, I suppose, uh, but that may ultimately dictate how long this episode goes. I'm, I'm envisioning it being a fairly quick one. And one, because I'm by by myself here, I'm just doing this as a solo podcast today. But more importantly, I guess, the fact that the Bulls have been so quiet during free agency that there's not necessarily too much to discuss. So I won't be on here sort of uh, professing my takes about the whole situation for 45, 50 minutes because to be frank, not not a lot has happened, which isn't too surprising. Um, But I, I guess what is surprising to me that there is some pushback by... Some people out there that they're concerned that certain things have or haven't happened or when you position things that I'm not surprised that things haven't happened, that you know you get a rebuttal back to it. That's been interesting to me. I don't know why that is, given that we went into this free agency period knowing that not many teams around the league had cap space, let alone the Bulls. And there was only like three or four teams that actually had meaningful cap space. So from that standpoint, the Bulls weren't necessarily going to be making any big swings from a free agency perspective. All they really had really to go into free agency was uh, their their exceptions. So their mid-level ex- exception of nine point two million dollars and you know any other exceptions that they may have had, the biannual exception if they'd had that on hand, which is three, four million dollars somewhere in that vicinity. So that's really all they had to add to their roster, apart from you know, veteran minimum type contracts, which we may see come through in the next couple of days, they can stand to add a couple more players to their camp roster. The camp rosters can be extended to twenty Um, during training camp that will need to be folded back once the regular season sort of occurs but at this point um, I decided to just jump on and do the podcast now because I'm assuming nothing more is going to happen from a free agency standpoint at least nothing material Hence why I thought we'd just get on now and, and talk about the Bulls' free agency period. And, and like I said, nothing there's, there's not really a whole heap to talk about because nothing has necessarily happened beyond the uh, the signing of Garrett Temple. I suppose I don't know if it's been made official at this point, but he has signed with the Bulls for on a one year, five million dollar deal. Which to me it's it's fine. It's not a big deal. Like Garrett Temple's fine. I don't think he's necessarily a, a great player or a good player. He's he's meant to be a three and D player who doesn't necessarily shoot the ball that well. So uh, that's I guess a little minor concern. I don't know how good his defense is either. But he's a six foot five wing. Supposedly he's a fantastic locker room guy. So uh, from that standpoint, I think it kind of makes sense. But yeah, he's he's here for one year. It's five million dollars. It's not going to mean too much. I'm not going to get. You know, up or down about it, essentially. I think it's, it's it's fine just the way it is. But essentially, that addition beyond, obviously, what the Bulls did at the draft is the only change to the roster, really, outside of Chris Dunn heading out to the Atlanta Hawks and Shaq Harrison at this point remaining a free agent at this point. So, yeah, the Bulls haven't necessarily done much, like I said, in part because they didn't necessarily have much available assets, I suppose, to them to do much. And beyond that, yeah, they're just just currently sort of feeling their way out through this thing, which I understand. To me, I I completely understand. I understand why you would get rid of Chris Dunn and, and Shaq Harrison. I know when that news broke, maybe this time last week, there were fans out there that were concerned that Shaq Harrison and Chris Dunn were being let go whilst the Bulls decided to keep Denzel Valentine. And again, maybe this is just me rationalizing it and thinking about it and maybe coming to this uh, to this conversation here with this thought already, but I already was more than comfortable with the Bulls moving on with Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison. Uh, and the reason being for that is they just, their prototype of player is just not something that I value at this point. I mean, Chris Dunn is arguably one of the worst jump shooters in the NBA. There was a the stat going around earlier morning, this morning that uh, uh, but players that have taken more than 75 uh, wide open threes. Of all those players, Chris Dunn actually rated the worst in terms of, of three-point percentage. So, clearly, he's just not a someone that gives you any value on the offensive end. Yes, his defense is quite good, potentially elite. I, I think that's debatable if it's fully elite, but um, clearly, he's, he's a value on the defensive end. But I don't know. Like That archetype of player is not interesting, interesting to me at this point of this rebuild. I'm not necessarily too concerned about losing Chris Dunn, I don't really care about losing Shaq Harrison keeping Denzel Valentine for another year like again it just doesn't it doesn't mean much to me I suppose because I don't expect him to be a long-term player here but I kind of value what he brings more than what Chris Dunn brings to be honest with you the skill set at least the in in theory what he brings so I kind of had started to rationalize that these guys were probably already going and just thinking about this this Bulls team this Bulls free agency for months in advance I mean we had so much time to sort of think about this whole thing and maybe this is why I was quite content with everything the way it's played out thus far. Is I kind of expected this to play out the way it has because, like I said, the Bulls just didn't have a lot of cap space. They didn't have a lot of things to do. I uh, didn't have a lot of assets to use to their disposal to improve the team right right now. I guess the one move that I would have liked to have seen is, is them to be more aggressive for, you know, trading for Chris Paul. That was my my off season thing that I was kept, that I kept pushing on Twitter, but. I understand why they obviously didn't go that route as well, particularly if they are planning to keep their cap space as open as possible for 2021, and I guess that's the irony to me is that I've seen a lot of Bulls fans online sort of looking at the Atlanta Hawks situation and looking at it with a bit of an envious eye and wondering why the Hawks are making all these moves and why the Bulls aren't and the fact that the Hawks rebuild has gone past the Bulls and all these sorts of rhetoric that is sort of flying around, and I, I guess I just don't get it. I don't understand it because, again, I, I if you just look at the facts of the situation, that the Atlanta Hawks are one of the four teams that had cap space available, available to them in this offseason. They had over $40 million to spend, and they've done so by signing Danilo Gallinari. They've obviously put out an office sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovic, which we'll find out soon enough if he signs. They've obviously got Chris Dunn, Rajan Rondo. They've made some moves around their periphery of their roster that will ultimately make them better this season. And that I most certainly agree. I expect them to be a better team. But comparing that to the Bulls situation where this Bulls roster is filled with a lot of guaranteed contracts, doesn't have any cap space like the Hawks did. And the fact that the Bulls will essentially be able to do what the Hawks did this offseason, only next offseason, by engineering their cap space to have, you know, possibly 30 to 35 million in cap space next season. Obviously, this, the way it was kind of playing out was this was always going to be a quiet offseason for the Bulls. So uh, I just, yeah, I just, I, I just keep coming back to, I just don't understand why people are disappointed by the lack of moves, I suppose. Like I, I look I take that back. I kind of get it because we all wanna see moves, we all wanna be we all wanna see our team be part of the free agency nonsense, trading, making picks here, signing guys there. It's all fun and obviously free agency more generally as an NBA fan is always fun, it's always a good time, but it's even better when your team is involved and well assuming they're making good moves, it's always better. But sometimes that's not always the case. And I point to the Detroit Pistons as an example of that. But I mean, it's always fun when your team is involved. And obviously the Bulls sort of sitting back, letting things sort of play out. And obviously us as fans watching teams do this and that, whether it's good or bad, it's just some sort of activity. It's always fun to be involved with. So from that point of view, I get it. But you know, coming back more rationally and trying to understand where the Bulls sort of sat coming into this free agency period versus where the rest of the league sat and what was sort of realistically um, the likely outcome for this offseason like i again i just don't understand why people were expecting something different and i guess the the main reasoning for that is the fact that this bulls operation this bulls franchise has completely new management and coaching in place which again to me just leads further credence into the into the reasoning as to why they wouldn't necessarily do too much at this point of, of the off-season. So, I mean, Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, I'm expecting them to make moves at some point, but I'm also not disappointed or I'm not surprised that they haven't sort of traded Larry Markkinen or haven't traded Zach Levine or haven't traded whoever it may be because at this point, I, I would imagine that someone like Karnaschovas, part of the appeal of him coming to Chicago was the fact that he had to get a look at or wanted to get a look at players like Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter, uh, Larry Martin and now Patrick Williams getting have a, getting to have a look at those guys as a unit putting them in a functional NBA team and seeing what they could actually be I have to assume that's part of the reason why he accepted the job in Chicago and to loo- and to leave a place like Denver where they're a building contender I assume he come here in part because of the appeal of this younger the younger talent on this roster now we can argue about how good or bad this, uh, these these young players necessarily are but ultimately they are still young there's still some appeal to them and ultimately if you believe in yourself as an, an executive and if you believe in the pe- the people that you put around these players then maybe you can get something out of these guys that maybe the previous regime couldn't either as keeping them for the long haul or maybe just re-upping their trade value and maybe seeing what you can get down the line for these guys so I'm not surprised that Chauvis and Eversley have sat still at this point in time and Again, applying that logic to Billy Donovan, I'm assuming he came to Chicago to coach Zach Levine and Kobe White and Larry Mark and Wendell Carter, I'm a, I'm not assuming he came here to maybe make some wholesale changes where we're shipping out players to maybe rebuild again or maybe shipping out players to, to get in some veterans that really maybe don't move the needle from a contending standpoint, maybe get you closer to 45 wins, but you know, maybe that's about it. Like for example, I didn't want to see the Bulls making any move you know, in a sign and trade for, for Gordon Haywood or something like that. Like that to me just makes zero sense at all. Like why would you why would you bother doing that when you can potentially go and get a Gordon Haywood level free agent next summer, let's say. I that that sort of stuff didn't make sense to me. I understand why Karnashovis and why Donovan, if he has any say at all, wanted to sort of play it as is because they just wanted to see what this roster can be and maybe what this roster can grow into under their regime. But again, maybe coming back and being a little bit more crude about this whole thing, and maybe just thinking about you know the, the roster and these players on the rosters purely as trade assets or just assets in general. I mean, we can't spend the last sort of twelve months shitting on these Bulls players. Maybe saying you know, particularly for me, like someone like Larry Marketon, who I'm not super high on at this point. I can't spend the last six months saying Larry Marketon. Yeah, I question how good he can be. I question if he can be anything positive in this NBA if he's strictly a power forward. But then at the same time, think, you know, why haven't the Bulls traded Larry Markner for something better? He's, he's got his extension coming up soon, one, and then moving on from him now and making a deal and getting something back of value, whether that's a player or whether that's picks. Like, that logic just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I can't do that, I suppose. You, you can't argue one thing and say, oh, well, this player is probably not the player that I hoped he would be, his value's is an all time low and then come back and say, oh, yeah, let's trade for this. Let's let's trade Larry Markkinen and get something reasonable back for, for Larry. I, I think that's kind of intellectually dishonest at some point. So if I'm going to sit here and question the, the likelihood of Larry Markkinen being a quality, play, quality player or even Kobe White, whether I feel he can be a, a, a point guard or a shooting guard, or maybe he's just some bench player that comes off the bench and he's just a scoring guard. If I'm going to have these questions about these players, and surely the rest of the league feels similarly. So at this point... Maybe just from a pure value standpoint, these players just don't have a lot of appeal. Um, I, think that's, I think that's a reasonable point of view to have. So again, that I keep coming back to, that's why maybe some moves weren't made from that point of view. I wanna keep riffing on this idea in this conversation because I've got, I've got some more thoughts to get out on it. But before I do, I wanna tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First, let me tell you about Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer value through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell everyone about Bet Online. Football is back in full swing, people. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the podcast. And prior to the break, I was telling everyone or sharing with everyone my thoughts about why I think it's more than reasonable to not be disappointed I suppose or unsurprised by what has happened with the Bulls during this free agency period and like I sort of alluded to the fact that this team had very few reasonable methods I suppose to acquiring players in free agency they only had their mid-level exception really to at their disposal and at this point in during this time in free agency where essentially all of the league had the mid-level exception players are going to choose a winning situation over the Bulls, if they're offering the same money. And ultimately, most of the league at this point had the mid-level exception. I mean, a, a, a decent example of this is Derek Jones Jr. I mean, he went to the Portland Trailblazers. They gave him two years, uh, $20 million, something in that vicinity, or you know, 19 to $20 million, which is effectively a two-year deal on the mid-level exception. Now, Derek Jones Jr. is leaving the Heat, a contending team, and is going back to, well, not back to, but going to a team who maybe not is not a contending team, but he's a surefire playoff team in the Portland Trailblazers. So in that sense, given that the Bulls only had the exact same uh, exception to offer Derek Jones Jr. as the as the, the Trailblazers did, why would Derek Jones Jr. choose the Bulls over Portland when the money is exactly the same and maybe the role and playing time is fairly consistent or fairly similar? So that never really made sense. But as we've sort of seen, a lot of these contenders... Like the, the Clippers, for example, had the same, exact same exceptions as the Bulls. So the Clippers brought in Sergi Barker with their mid-level exception. Now, if you're going to tell me that Sergi Barker would have chosen the Bulls over the Clippers in that situation, given that the role would be very similar, the money is going to be the exact same thing, then I just can't believe you, I guess. I just can't agree, I suppose. So in that sense, the players the Bulls could probably sign with their mid-level exception were never going to be players that... I don't know, push the needle needle for me, weren't necessarily worth committing or eating into your cap space for next season. So I never really got it from that standpoint. So from that point of view, and knowing the fact that this team had a lot of guaranteed rosters on the roster at this point, there's just not a lot of there wasn't a lot of dollars, there wasn't a lot of roster space to really do much for the Bulls. And I guess one of the other rebuttals that I've seen going around is the fact that, yeah, this team had a lot of guaranteed contracts on the roster, but that doesn't necessarily prohibit you from making moves. And that's definitely true. I mean, you can most certainly go out there and make moves. You don't necessarily have have to have cap space to sign someone. We've seen the Miami Heat do that, in particular with Jimmy Butler. I mean, they didn't have any cap space last year. They bought through Jimmy Butler via the free agency period, via the, their offseason, and they did so via a sign and trade. So yes, there are ways you can manufacture space or manufacture moves via signs and trades and those sorts of things, or you could just simply wave guys like Ryan Archidiakno or Luke Cornett or, or even Cristiano Felicio for that matter, and create roster space. That way, you can bring through some other free agents. So you, there are things you can do. I just think that at this point, with a new management in place, with new coaching in place, that the counter is also a reasonable position. So given that, I just, I guess, I just don't understand. The negativity from some, not from all, from some. But again, let me reiterate, like I would obviously prefer the Bulls to be doing something purely from an entertainment standpoint. I mean, it would be much more fun for me at least, even if they were making moves on the periphery. And I'm sure you agree, Like, I would be very into them making a trade for Thad Young and trading him out for whatever reason, to whoever. I mean, at this point, it makes sense for Thad and probably the Bulls to move on via a trade. I would have liked to have seen that I thought that maybe a realistic scenario when the uh, the the Denver Nuggets lost Jeremy Grant to the Pistons, I thought that maybe someone like Thad could make sense for them, particularly when they had just signed uh, Facundo Campazzo, who is a point guard who's probably going to eat into the minutes of Monty Morris. There, I thought maybe there was a trade to be had between the Nuggets and Bulls, whether we the Bulls would send Thad Young to the Nuggets to maybe become one of their de facto power forwards in in lieu of losing Jeremy Grant and the Bulls receiving Monty Morris, a point guard. This team needs guard play. It had been long rumored that this team was trying to uh, acquire a veteran guard. I wasn't necessarily expecting that veteran guard to be Garrett Temple, but if you got in someone like Morris in addition to, to Garrett Temple, then that's something I could I would be about. Obviously, to trade players, it takes two to do so. And maybe it just never made sense for someone like Denver to, uh, for Thad to Denver because, as we quickly quickly saw, they re-signed Paul Mills up to a very favorable deal, a one-year, ten-million-dollar deal, and they brought through Jermichael Green on a on a two-year, fifteen-million-dollar deal. So, in that sense, they 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 solidified their power forward position by not having to involve anyone else. They just went out there and did their own thing with their own free agent, and then found another free agent power forward through free agency. And so, in that sense. Thad was never really a realistic option for the Nuggets, and the same is true for Sato. I mean, maybe you could organize or engineer a a deal that sent Satoransky to to some team on the uh, the trade NBA app or whatever it might be. But the reality is, trading players at this point in time is difficult for a number of reasons. One of those being that a lot of teams, like the Bulls, are engineering their space for 2021. So in that sense, maybe. Maybe those teams don't want to take on Sadoransky or Thad Young. Now, technically, both can be expiring contracts in 2021, but both have guaranteed portions of their deals for next year. So even though there are team options on their contracts, there are, you know, for, for Thad Young, for example, of his $13 million that he's owed next season, $6 million of that is guaranteed. So it's not a complete expiring contract in the, in the traditional sense, let's say. So maybe those... Maybe those deals or maybe those contracts as trade pieces are less appealing to teams at this specific point in time. Moreover, maybe the the particular trade options that the Bulls were fielding from teams were actually getting back money for guys like Thad Young and Sadoransky. So maybe taking on money to get off from Thad Young and for sataransky So I don't know what the deal may have been, but if someone's offering you a player that has a two years guaranteed on his contract where Sadoransky where or Thad Young only have... Uh, one year with maybe a partial guarantee in the second year, then maybe from the Bulls' standpoint as well, if they're trying to you know keep up, keep open their cap spaces as large as possible, then maybe you know it didn't appeal for to the Bulls at this point to trade Sadoransky or Thad Young right now because maybe the the deals that they were getting back didn't necessarily make sense so. Whilst I would have liked to have seen maybe Sadaransky or Thad Young, probably more so Thad Young, particularly after drafting Patrick Williams, whilst I would have liked to have seen him get moved for a guard or a wing, um, I'm just going to put my faith and my trust in Artur Ishkaneshovas at this point that he understands that um, you know at some point you have to make moves. And I, I guess I'm just not going to be annoyed or disappointed about it not happening now within the, the first two or three days of free agency, I guess. I'm, I'm prepared to give him a couple of months to see how this plays out. And more importantly, I think that just it just makes sense from a new management standpoint to get a look at how this team sort of functions together with a new coach in a new environment with hopefully a different ethos and just a different uh, sense of winning and competitiveness around the place. And I want to see that first. Personally, you know, whilst I don't necessarily value Larry Marketing like I used to or even Kobe White as much as some people do, I still understand that you know if, if for whatever reason, these players play better under Billy Donovan and maybe Larry Marketing can maybe recapture some of his value, They're trading him before the trade deadline, maybe in two months time, maybe his value is higher at that point than it is now. Similarly for someone like Thad Young or Thomas Sadoransky, teams that are competing who will have an understanding of where they sit versus where their competition, who may be one or two role players short, maybe at that point, Someone like Sadaransky has more value to a team like the LA Clippers than he does right now. So the Clippers probably need another point guard to sort of add to their team. Maybe in a couple months' time, when they see the Lakers are maybe sort of owning the Western Conference and they need to make a move or two, maybe they come calling to the Chicago Bulls at that point and come after someone like Thad or Sadaransky. Maybe it's a different team. Whatever the situation is, the the appeal and maybe the trade assets that this team has becomes more appealing in a couple of months time once teams other teams understand where they sit versus the rest of the league and the same is true for the Bulls I mean if this if this upcoming season gets off to a really nice start and they start improving and they start making moves and you start seeing players like Patrick Williams and Kobe White maybe take leaps that I wasn't expecting potentially even Larry Markkinen then maybe that That uh, culmination of talent just looks completely different to uh, what I was expecting and what I was hopeful of, and maybe that maybe that transfers into a good little team that we have here. I don't know, I don't know, but I'm prepared to at least wait until the uh, the regular season, at least for the next sort of first twenty to thirty games, to see how it plays out. And most certainly, the reverse is true as well. I mean, if things go absolutely poorly then at that point, maybe you start blowing it up at that point and you really go heavy into tanking again into this specific draft. And I know a lot of fans probably don't want to think about another rebuild, but this draft coming up is loaded. So maybe once you've sort of started to see how this team takes shape over the next sort of 20, 30 games into the season, at that point, maybe you can really start engineering your team towards that tanking position. Because at this point, based on where things stand right now, there's not a lot of teams who are outwardly going to be bad, I think, next season. I think particularly for this season coming up where the NBA is maybe extending the playoff teams or the number of teams that have an opportunity to get in playoffs based on these playing tournaments that may have, you know, the, the top 10 teams of each conference realistically sort of vying for a playoff team. In that sense, I think we'll see a lot of teams like the Charlotte Hornets or the Atlanta Hawks or maybe even the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference sort of having a viable chance in making the playoffs. Now, obviously, in the Western Conference, I mean, that that conference is 13 teams deep at least. So in that sense, I don't think there's really that many teams at this point in time maybe guaranteeing or engineering themselves to be a fully flinched tanking team, maybe like the the way the OKC Thunder are. So maybe after 10, 15, 20 games in the season, things go off poorly. Maybe the team is 5-15 again and Karnashovas has had enough time. To have a look at this thing and think, yeah, Zach Levine isn't my guy. I'm, I'm going to trade him off. Or Larry Markkinen isn't my guy. I'm going to trade him off. And at that point, you reset, you rebuild, you trade those guys, and, and you move on from that standpoint. That's also a realistic option too. So, I don't know. It's like I, I just keep coming back to me at least thinking that the, the wait-and-see approach for this specific time, based on the fact that the Bulls have a new management in place, new coaching staff in place, didn't have a lot of actual assets heading into free agency to use, Whilst knowing that they wanted to conserve their own cap space for 2021, or at least have the flexibility to do so, I guess I'm just not surprised with how everything has played out. I'm not concerned with how everything has played out, and yeah, I look, I'm just, I'm just completely fine with it. Maybe that puts me in a rare bunch. I don't really know. Maybe you feel similarly. Obviously, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at MKHoops if you feel similarly to me. I'd like to hear it. If you completely disagree with me, I'd like to hear it it too. If you want to expand on it, if you want to hit me up on the email, bullshqpot at gmail.com. If you think I'm completely wrong, tell me. But I guess from my standpoint, like I said, I'm okay with things being the way they are now. Now, for those who are disappointed with the lack of activity, the lack of moves, I will probably be joining you guys if we're talking about this team looking very much the same as it does now after the trade deadline. That would be concerning to me. And most certainly would be a massive concern to me if we head into the next offseason with no actual material moves. I guess that would be a problem for me. At that point, you've got Otto Porter coming off the books. You've got uh, Cristiano Felicio coming off the books. You've got a decision to be made about Larry Mark. And if at that point you're sort of rolling things back, then yeah, I will join you guys in your, uh, (laughs) your disagreement or your displeasure about how things are sort of unfolded. But for me, the way the way the draft night has played out, the way free agency has played out to this point, I'm content with it. I'm willing to see how it goes, and I'm willing to see what moves Kana Shovis is prepared to make. Now, maybe it's just due to the fact that we are long-standing suffering Bulls fans under the Garpacks regime. Two guys who are very adverse in terms of making trades for players that they valued. Maybe that that feeling is creeping back into some fans, where they're we're just so used to. This uh, management team or the previous management team making zero moves that actually via trade at least that improved the team, that maybe we that those feelings are being projected onto the current the current management group. I, I don't know what it is, but personally I don't know. Maybe it's just and maybe I'm wrong here, but Konevchovs is coming from a team that constant consistently made moves, whether it was through free agency, the draft, or trading. They were active. Same thing is for Eversley and the Philadelphia 76ers. He's coming from a program there where they were constantly making moves. He had some experience with the Toronto Raptors as well where they were constantly making moves. So I don't get the impression that these two guys are going to be uh, risk adverse, let's say, or not willing to to hit the buzzer on a trade. I think they're prepared to do it. I think they're just waiting for the right time to do so. And I just don't think that right time is right now. So I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I'm willing to wait to see how it goes and how it plays out over the next coming months. And I guess the last closing thought I had was, and this is most certainly me reaching here and maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but like whilst you could make a move to waive someone like Cristiano Felicio and to get rid of his uh, his roster space, you'd, you, must, you would still be paying him his money if you were to waive him, let's say. But if you were just to waive him now and just sign some okay role-playing Role playing option for the team in free agency, yeah, that would probably improve the team right now. But again, if I'm coming back to it and thinking about this from a pure trade or pure value perspective, having his seven and a half million expiring contract is somewhat valuable in this sense. So like this is the first time in quite a while that Cristiano Felicio has proven to be have any value or worth at this point. I mean, he's clearly not going to have any value on the court, but as a as a piece within a trade. Particularly for this Bulls team that has a lot of guys on this roster not necessarily earning a lot of dollars. I mean, if, if for whatever reason, let's 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 paint an example where maybe the Bulls at a point in time just want to move on from Larry marketing because they they don't feel he's worth the money that he may want in free agency, and maybe it's just time to to cut ties. Maybe you you feel Patrick Williams is a power to your future. Maybe you move on from Larry marketing that, that, that all makes sense in theory, but Larry Markkinen is only earning $6.7 million this season. So in terms of things you can get back in a trade just for Larry Markkinen from a pure matching salary standpoint, it's not a lot because he's on his rookie deal. But if you add Larry Markkinen and Cristiano Felicio's salaries together, then all of a sudden that's $13-14 million in outgoing salary that maybe you can get something more substantial back, whether it's a player coming back or whatever it may be. It just... It keeps your options open, I guess is my point. So uh, maybe again, maybe I'm reaching here. Maybe I'm giving them too much benefit of the doubt at this point. But does keeping someone like Felicio for this point in time, just for now, have does that give you more value as an expiring contract than what a player on a minimum deal or an exception type deal would bring this team for this specific season? I, I think it's a fair discussion to have. It's an interesting thought exercise to have. But maybe maybe it, maybe that helps you from a trading standpoint. Same thing if you think about maybe trading out expiring contracts like Saderansky or Thad Young with a Felicio. Someone like Saderansky's only got ten million dollars on his deal, which is it's it's a fine deal. It's not a huge number. You can get something back. But then if you suddenly add Cristiano Felicio to that number, quickly you're getting up to up up toward eighteen million. You're increasing the amount of money you can take back in a deal, and maybe the Bulls can get someone of worth. By using expiring contracts in that standpoint, obviously, you know to get something back in with to get something back of worth, I'd have to attach something a lot more than Saturansky and Felicio. But I'm just more talking about in terms of the dollars going outwards. Because at this point, really, the only big money on the book Bulls books at this point is Otto Porter Jr. Obviously, he opted into his 28 and a half billion dollars. Maybe he's of of something of note for uh, from an, an expiring point of view from a trade piece. So. Guys like Otto Porter Jr., Sadaransky, Thad Young, maybe even Felicio purely just as a contract standpoint, I think their value becomes a lot a lot more intriguing to teams once we get going through the regular season, once teams understand where they sit versus their competition, once teams understand what their next move will be into if, into the 21 offseason and there beyond. I think at that point, the Bulls become interesting players either as selling off their veterans, to maybe maybe do a, a mini tank of sorts. Maybe at that point you do that. But right now, again, I, I understand why teams wouldn't have a lot of value in Thad Young right now or Cristiano Felicio is expiring right now, Sadoransky, Otto Porter, etc. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on how this free agency has gone. I've got on my soapbox. I've said what I've needed to say, I suppose. I'm more than content with how things have played out. I'm happy to see how this sort of goes through the next couple of weeks, couple of months, it's going to be a weird, fast, turbulent season. The Bulls are still at the crossroads, but I'm prepared to wait and to prepare to give some time here to kind of show at Eversley to maybe orchestrate this rebuild through their own lens and to, for them to get a good look at what this team is or isn't. I'm prepared to give them that time. Maybe I'm being ridic- ridiculous by doing so. Maybe I'm not. I, I don't know, but essentially... Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it right at this point. But like I said, hit me up on Twitter, send me an email if you feel similarly. if, if you feel differently, I don't care. Just I, want, I would be interested to in hear from Bulls fans all over. But that just about does it for this episode of the podcast. I very much doubt the Bulls are going to do anything else in free agency. I could be completely wrong, at least nothing materially. That would be quite hilarious that I would spend the last half hour sort of uh, <laughs> professing my... Uh, not my admiration, but my understanding of how things have played out. And then obviously kind of show a swinging, a big deal. I mean, that would be highly ironic and make me would make me look quite foolish. But at the same time, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that the Bulls team that we see right now is the one that we're going to head into the season with. We'll see how it plays out within the season. I would expect moves during the season or around the trade down line. But at this point, I'm content. But like I said, that just about does it of this episode of Bulls HQs. Thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans. Again, if there's anything that breaks soon, we will be back on Bay at Bulls HQ to get through all the latest Bulls news. Obviously, we're heading into training camp very soon. I mean, we're less than a month between the season starting, so there's most, most definitely going to be new episodes of Bulls HQ coming your way. So you keep looking out on your feed, whether it's your Twitter feeds, whether it's your podcast feeds, whatever it may be, Bulls HQ will be there covering the Bulls as those news and stories breaks. But again, I know it's been a quiet free agency, but hang in there, Bulls fans. I think there will be changes coming soon. We just have to be maybe a little bit more patient. But again, enough from me. I've said what I've needed to say. That ends this podcast. We'll speak again very soon, Bulls fans.